you're listening to the Girlfriends in the Word podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Drum. This podcast is designed to dive into scripture through systematic study in books of the Bible, through cultural conversations with women today, or on specific topical studies so that we can learn what God has to say for our lives. My goal is to equip you to study God's Word well and to encourage you in your faith journey as we walk together and become Girlfriends in the Word. Hey friends, happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the Girlfriends in the Word podcast. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming one of my real in-person, super special friends, Bethany Kimsey. We met, goodness, what was it? This year, last year? It was in the last year at one of the podcasting conferences. I believe it was the Spark Media Conference. And we both fell in love with each other because I absolutely adore you. And I hope the feeling is mutual. It is. (laughs) Um, But my friends, you're going to love our conversation today because Bethany has a ministry to moms and she is the mama of seven kiddos, eight kiddos. Oh, so many kiddos. I can't even keep them tracked. And she is also a fellow homeschooling mama. But Bethany has a passion for having women in the word, which you guys know is my big, big desire. So welcome to the podcast, Bethany. And Bethany, would you just tell us one of your favorite, favorite things? It could be a food, a treat, somewhere to go, something to do, just so that the audience can kind of get a feel for who you are as a girl, not just a mama, podcaster, writer, all the things. Okay. Yes. Well, I'm very happy to be here. And yes, I absolutely love you too. I think that my favorite thing that I love, uh, I just got to do actually with my nine-year-old. I have a nine-year-old daughter who also loves the same thing, which is I love to throw a party. (laughs) I do. I love to, and and when I say throw a party, it's not going to be fancy. It's not like I have mastered centerpieces. That's not the kind of party I throw. Really what I love is I love to get people together. And so I love that too. Give me the opportunity. If you just say, mom, can we? I'm like, oh yeah, we can. So just even on Friday night, we had 19 little seven, eight, nine year olds over here for a costume party. And I thought it was so so fun. fun. We had so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. You and I have talked about this before, just the, the power of hospitality in our homes and how that moves and shapes the gospel in our community. And that's one of the things I love about you too. So, okay. This evening, this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this podcast, Bethany and I had talked about what we really wanted to share with women. And we wanted to talk to you ladies today about the power of identity. Now, Bethany, you just went to Atlanta recently and you talked about this. So would you kind of jumpstart our conversation and share what God has been putting on your heart about a woman's identity? Sure. I think that, well, first of all, for many years, I thought I I came to know the Lord as a child. And so I have heard truth. I've heard scripture. I've been around it. I've heard lots of sermons. And yet somewhere I missed the truth that my performance is not part of the package for how God sees me. That God does look at me and say, because you were good today, whether it was as a good little girl growing up or a good teenager in high school or a good 
worker when in, in my job or a good wife or a good mom, like all the places that in my life I have sought to be good. And I, I think I'm wired to be good. Like, I think there's a wiring inside of me. That's part of my flesh that also would seek that it's going to seek that, but I misunderstood and thought that I was part of the package. Like my performance was part of it. And when I began to really understand and sit with the Lord and actually he began to really help me understand Bethany, the way I view you has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Christ. It has everything to do with what my son did for you and how he covers you, but it has nothing to do with what you bring today to me. Now, that for me was has been completely freeing. It has been completely freeing in every space that I operate as a woman, in my work, in my marriage, in ministry, in my motherhood. To But it is something that I have to continually sit with the Lord over and work through because every place I go, I want to inform that moment with, well, I'm. I, how can I do this to the best? How can I make this, you know, how can my performance factor in here? I love and, that. I love that. And instead say, wow, God's already determined that. Talk to me a little bit because there's this tension and I am very much like you. And I think we've, we've done this while we've talked in person and face to face where I want to follow the rules. I'm wired that way. I, I want a pattern. I want a formula. I want to know that I'm coming to a project and I'm going to accomplish it with excellence. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that tension that we have as women and, and how we can still do something the way we're wired, still work well, but not have it shape how we view ourselves in regards to our identity. Like how do we know the difference between, you know, cause we could swing this the other way and women could be like, Oh, I don't have to perform because God loves me as I am. Therefore I'm going to go in this opposite direction and just not really care about anything and, and get lazy and, and just not steward the things that God has given me to steward. Well, Right. Which we know scripturally, God's Paul set that up. He knew that was going to be an argument that was going to be made. And so he said, no, no, no. it's in so that you can just go and and say, well, because there's all this grace for me, I can just do whatever I want. I think that for me, though, as someone who is wired for rules, like I, you know, it's just a wiring. I, what has become a good benchmark for me in my thought life is a question that in essence says, Bethany, who are you worshiping? So there is a big part of me that I've had to sit with the Lord and really even be, he has gently reminded me, Bethany, you worship the idol of outcome. You You are worried about that outcome. You want that outcome to be good. And if that outcome is not good, how I know I'm worshiping the idol of outcome is when that outcome is not good. What does that therefore say about me or how I did it? And if that signifies something about my value and my worth, then my worship was not at the feet of Jesus. My worship was at the feet of the idol of outcome and beginning to allow that question 
to be something that I wrestle with, whether I am, I mean, great example, let's use the party I had last Friday. So my little girl comes to me in the summer, in the summer, wanting this party for her birthday, which is in the summer. And like, there was just no way it wasn't going to happen. It was crazy, but it immediately, I felt the tension of, she really wants this party. I want to give her this party. Am I a bad mom? Because I can't, is there a way I could make this work? Because I would never want her to think I don't love her or I don't like, I'm not for her. Like all, so there's all this tension and sitting honestly with the Lord in the summer and going, God, there's all this tension around this. And yet I know when I look at our calendar, I cannot do it, but there's a space in my head that says, because you cannot do it, because your calendar is so filled with all the other things, therefore, and she's not getting her party. Therefore you are not a good mom. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and so that is, and so what happens is I'm worshiping. So the outcome is I want to give her a good party so that she can be happy. I'm highly motivated to make people happy. It's just part of my person, my wiring too. So, so that's kind of part of this tension. So therefore, since I can't, since I'm going to have to say no, then what I really had to do work on is go, okay, Lord, how do I surrender that to you and trust that, you know, the timing, even of this party, and I know this sounds silly, but I think that for most women, this is that wrestling ground. And, and it's easy to say to you, well, what you just need to know is you need to know that no matter what you do, God loves you. It's easy. Yeah, the practicality is hard. Right. It's easy to flippantly say it. It's hard for it to seep into like today. And so, you know, I said, baby, I, we can't, we can't do your party and had to watch her face fall. And I had to sit even in that moment. God, I know that we're going to have just the right time for you to have a party and it's going to be wonderful. And I'm praying for it, praying for the right time. Well, then she came to me again. She goes, what about a back to school party? And I actually at first said, yes. I thought that was a yes, that we could do that. And I said, yes. And then one, another one of her little friends basically had a party the only day that we could have a party. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, we can't, I mean, you can't have a, you can't have competing parties on the same day. So it was again, though, me going, well, gosh, you're the worst that you can't just give your child a party. And so finally getting it now to be a fall, a fall fun party took a, I mean, and I know that's a silly thing yet. It was a huge place for me with the Lord of going, God, I am choosing to understand that you are solidifying in my child's heart, how much I love her and I value her. And I value even the fact that she wants to have a party for all of her little friends that I have good communication with her, that I can trust you in all of that. And that one day we're going to have a party. It's going to be awesome. Now I know that's silly, but that's the way that that actually works. Well, I love the practicality and the example that you give because that, just that phrase, and I, I'm just sitting with that because that's like, that's some good truth right there. The idol of outcome. We mm-hmm. do that specifically in motherhood. And I know motherhood is a big area of ministry for you, but I know as my, my boys are growing up and I'm looking at the behaviors and attitudes and actions of my children, I have gotten caught up in, oh, when somebody compliments my kids to me, it's like, oh, I did great. And I take on that glory. That's, that's not meant for me. I mean, I'm not controlling those individual decisions that they're making, but likewise, if they do something, if they misbehave, if they're caught in some kind of sin, then I instantly also take that as a failure. And so that can be a real battle for us as women in our identity and 
and, you know, speak to that for a moment because you have children of all different ages and stages and ranges in life. And how have you sought to combat that? And, and how have you won and lost in different things like that? Well, I think that, yes, I, first of all, yes, totally do it. Totally guilty of it as well. And I've had to really begin to understand the way God sees me, first of all, because number one, he sees each of us individually. So he is a God of one. And he says that over and over in scripture, he pursues the one. So what that means in your family, as you're having kids or whatever, your God who pursues you is fully wholeheartedly pursuing your child to the exact same, like you can trust that. Mm. And so understanding that that is God's whole bent had to become part of a baseline understanding of me and God. Like, because what I wanted to say was I am the chief pursuer of my child. I am the chief knower of my child. I am the chief giver of everything that they need for my child. And it's easy to believe that, especially because they come to you and they're itsy bitsy and you are, you, you are their source here on this earth. But understanding that, that God is their true source and that that is, it is tr- his trustworthy in that has to become part of how we view them long before they begin to do. And I had to learn this. I had some already messing up. I had I, I joke, but it's true. And I've told my child, my oldest child, this, I feel like God said, look, if I, because I have my birth order is a boy and then I have three girls and then I have two boys, a girl and a boy. And my oldest, it has been, was, is the hardest of mine to parents. I've joked that it was like, because God just said, you know, if she gets an easy, she's going to, she's going to have the false belief that she, she's got this wrapped up and this is going yeah. And she doesn't need that because she can get so locked down in performance. Yeah. So from a very young age, I realized, oh, wow. Either I am the worst mom that's ever lived on this planet or there's something else. God, what is that? What is it? Which is it? And I was willing, honestly, for him to go, yeah, you're the worst parent. (laughs) We've all felt that. We've all felt that. But it's so true. There's so much grace behind parenting that we often don't pay attention to. Yeah. You know, God says in his word, he goes, he remembers that we are dust. He has great compassion on us. He pulls our, our life out of the pit, like over and over in scripture. He is reminding us that he loves us when we're unlovable. I mean, just, I mean, look at the prodigal son, you know? So when therefore we're walking with our kids and our children don't do something well. What is natural is we want to own it. Because reality is our pride wants to own when they do something well. True. Very and true. So understanding that is natural to man, but it is what Jesus came to die for and set you free from. I mean, that is sin. The fact that we love ourselves and we have great pride and and instead we want to be people who begin to go okay my child is separate from me god is in pursuit of this child and in this moment 
what they have done. Wow. It feels embarrassing to me. It feels like it's significant that I'm not doing my job right. But if I can understand this in light of how God actually sees this child. So God has compassion on this child. God sees the heart of this child. He knows the underlying motivation that caused whatever action is now stemming out. And his real pursuit of this child is to make that child understand how much they need Jesus down there in that underlying reason. That's why this moment is happening. If I can change my mindset and go, that's why this moment is happening. This moment is not to embarrass me. This moment is to allow me to have a beautiful conversation with my child about their desperate need for Jesus. That's what this moment is about. So good. Shift that. Some of that desire, that idolatry can die. It can get killed. I love that. Now, we've talked about identity in regards to our children. And it's so hard to give them what we don't first have. So... Mm -hmm. You and I have this passion for getting women into the word of God, because I know I have seen it change my life and you've just kind of touched on it, but what, especially for moms, because I know that's a big ministry area for you. What are some very real and practical ways that you have been in the word over the years, um, especially when you have eight children, when you've been homeschooling, when you've been doing all the things and it just feels like life is too busy. What do you do? on an everyday basis that has changed you, shaped you and helped you re-identify as God wants us to be identified? I think being in the word, first of all, and there have been many different seasons where I've done it in many different ways. So I have had seasons where I've purposely gotten up an hour before everybody else. There have been seasons where I have been doing it on the fly as I'm doing dishes in the kitchen. I think setting an environment and purposing an environment of the word. And I say this a lot, but the Lord is just making it clear and clear to me. It has to be my outset. My outlook has to be the word before the world. But what Mm -hmm. happens is most of the time the world gets in front of the word for me. If I get up, and all of a sudden I've got a, a crying little one or a demanding teenager or anything else in the early morning hours, you know, before people are eating breakfast, then the world can get before the word. Any of my anxieties, any of my worries, any of that. So I think that for me first, it's just being in the word. I do think, though, that for most women, they're not sure exactly what that looks like. And I think that it's simply sitting in in, with the word and trusting the Holy spirit is faithful to you, to you for you to look in the word and go, that's for me today. I can, I can read this and it will be a truth that I need. And then the other thing that I think that has really helped me over the years, and I learned it very early. I read a book really before I had kids. I read it in graduate school it, um, it was just a little tiny, old, 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 old book by a monk. And it's called um, Practicing the Presence of God, Being in the Presence of God. Yes, I think I know which one you're talking about. Um, and, and in essence, really, the truth of this book is this guy said, how can I understand that in every moment of every day I'm with Jesus? And really, for me, that was, okay, God, if that's true, then let's just have this ongoing conversation. 
all day long. Let's just chat. And as crazy as that is, I will, I have an ongoing, like, Lord, what should we make for dinner? And it truly is, God, what can I make for dinner tonight? I have no idea what to make for dinner tonight, Lord. Lord, what should we do about this? You know, and it's this ongoing, because that is who God wants to be for us. You know, he is not just there to be the, I don't know, the person telling you at an intersection, if you can stop or go. I mean, he is, he is absolutely intimate with you and and wants to be in every moment of your life in conversation with you. He is engaged in your life. And I think I had to learn that, that he was compassionate for me and he was engaged in my life and he was absolutely listening to everything I asked of him and prayed to him. Like, I love that. When I learned, this is a cool little thing. And um, it comes in this one scripture and I went and dug it out in the, in the um, Hebrew, but it says that God leans down to hear our cries, to hear our prayers. But the, that verb to lean is in essence to tent over. And it was so real to me because I was in a season we had four little ones that were four years old and younger. So they're all little. And it was like the Lord said, what do you do, Bethany, when somebody comes to you with a skin knee? What does any mother do? They immediately tent over that child. They come up and around that child and envelop that child in that heartache of a skin knee. And God's like, that's what I'm doing. That is my posture to you is I am. That's the lean down. It's not like he's just kind of tipping his head a little bit your way, but he's kind of tipping it to somebody else's direction. He is absolutely engaged in what you have to say. I love that picture because it's such a good, you know, just visual image of the relationship that God wants to have with us. And I do think, especially in the Western American church, we are so busy. We're always in a hustle. We're in a hurry, hurry mode. And we can treat God like a genie in a bottle. Like God, give me an answer or God, I need attention. And he's looking for that intimate relationship with us. I know our pastor was even talking about that this week and just how we view God and how God views us. And, and that ties into our identity here. Like when we view God as distant, then we're viewing all of his principles, all of his commands, all of his, um, all of his words to us as distant, and then they don't shape and mold and form us. But when we view God as near, when we understand who he is, when we spend time in his word, and I really appreciate that you, you debunk that quiet time has to look a certain way because Mm -hmm. I know I've grown up in the church and I've heard you've got to get up in the morning. Well, there were seasons when I was a mom that I just couldn't function in the morning and I could only meet with God at night, you know, or, or during nap time or, You know, Mm -hmm. I would listen to worship music while I was doing dishes because it was the only, you know, word of God I could get in in that season. And so I would put such guilt on, which now I realize was the the idol of outcome, as you talk about it, that I wasn't checking off a to-do list or looking at a picture that somebody else had and doing it. But all those moments of of attempting to be in God's word in different seasons, they, they do shape us. They do identify us in who he is, as opposed to who the world is. And so such, such good stuff. Well, as we kind of wrap up this conversation on identity and we, you know, we've talked about a lot of things about how we identify as moms and how we can identify in the world. What would you say is the biggest 
gift of grace that God has given you in this last season of motherhood, of ministry, and setting down false identities and picking up what he wants to identify you as? Hmm. The biggest gift. So I have a little nine-year-old girl whose name is Caroline and we spell her name C-A-R-A-L-I-N-E because C-A-R-A in the Greek is grace. It, It really means an understanding of grace. And for me, it was the final space that God had to really realign. And I'm not saying I've got it licked. There's many times where I want to be inside of outcome and inside of performance, but oh my goodness, we walked through a season where I believed that while I had, while I had repented of something that God, while he had forgiven me, would never bless me with bounty, that there was not bounty for me. And what I think I want your listener to understand is that God's grace is so huge because the bounty he has for you is his grace. Like it's, it's not just that he's like, okay, you're forgiven. You're even it's like, no, you're forgiven. And the deepest wells of grace and love and abundance are for you. And, you know, you know, it was just an, a beautiful thing for my husband and I to learn because we had to repent of something before the Lord and God in his bounty gave us a little girl that, you know, has been amazing for our life. I love that. Okay. Well, I know we don't want to keep listeners too long because our podcast episodes are usually pretty short for the busy woman, but I am so confident that my audience is going to want to connect with you. And I absolutely love hanging out with you on Instagram, but where else other than the Instagram reels, can my girls find you, follow you, get your resources and connect with you to learn more about your heart for women, your heart for ministry and how to connect women in God's word. They can find me. I have a podcast. It's called when God breaks through a warrior mama podcast. So you can find me there. I put out podcasts weekly. And then um, you can find me on my website, bethanykimsey.com would be the easiest. And you can always email me. You can, I am very active on Instagram though. I mean, you, yes. can, anybody can DM me. I'm, I will talk to anyone. Love it. Love it. All right, ladies. Well, I will catch you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. All of Bethany's information will be in the show notes and you can connect with her online because you don't want to miss the message that she has for you. Thank you so much for listening to the Girlfriends in the Word podcast. You can find resources on the website at www.nataliadrum.com, which is where you can connect with me via email. You can download resources or you can check out the shop for books and tools to grow in your faith. If you want to connect with me on social media, head over to Instagram and find me at the handle at Natalia Drum. 